Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you're about to watch is from our series, The Stressless Life. If you're joining us for the first time, let me be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. Once again, thanks for joining us today. I don't know about you, but it's a beautiful thing for me to just be a part of this church and be able to gather in a place like this and worship freely. And so can we just give it up one more time for what God's already done through prayer and worship? Amen. My name's Scott. I'm one of the, get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Hope Church. And I want to kind of jump in on, on something that I know we can all agree with. And that's this idea that we make decisions every single day. You made a bunch of decisions already this morning before you got here. In fact, I read an article this week that said that you and I actually can make up to 35,000 decisions every single day. Now, that seemed like really high for me, thinking through my day, but let's just suffice to say you sleep seven-ish hours a night. We're really only making decisions for, for 17 hours, and if you boil that down, that's 2,000 decisions per hour or one decision every two seconds. Now... You may not be thinking about all the decisions you're making, but you are constantly making decisions. For instance, this morning, I don't know when you woke up, but when the alarm clock went off, you made a decision to either get out of bed or hit that beautiful snooze button that gave you nine more minutes of bliss. <laughs> then when you got up, you start making decisions from the moment you set foot on the ground, right? What am I gonna put in my coffee? Am I gonna make coffee? Am I gonna make tea? What am I? And all of a sudden, all these decisions kind of stack up and you've made a bunch of decisions before you even came to the 1030 service here at Hope Church. Some decisions are easy. I think we can all agree there's some decisions you just subconsciously just know. That's not a decision I need to pray about. That's an easy decision. Let me give you some examples of that. Say after church you decide you're parched and you need to go get some, something to drink at the gas station. You walk in and, and you have options of, of Coke products or, or Pepsi products. And that's an easy decision, Hope Church. Of course, if you have an option of Coke and Pepsi, we're all going to choose Coke. Amen. Amen. Say you need to go get a new computer. That's an easy decision. You go get a new computer. Are you going to choose a PC or a Mac? That's an easy decision. Of course, you're going to choose a Mac. <laughs> you Mac lovers, some godly people in this church. <laughs> if you're hungry after church, you don't have time to sit down somewhere. You got to go through a drive-through. That's an easy decision. Where do you go? You go to Chick-fil-A or you go to In-N-Out Burger. That's an easy decision. You go to In-N-Out Burger. Man, that's some passionate people up at the 1030, Nico. Joke's on you if you said Chick-fil-A. It's closed today. How many of you have ever showed up to Chick-fil-A? How many of you ever showed up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? That's God saying go to In-N-Out Burger, okay? I had some owners of Chick-fil-A in the room last service and some managers, and it was really awkward, and I had to move on quick. So <laughs> praise God, we got a bunch of West Coast in and out people in the room today. All right. Some decisions are easy. Like, you don't have to think about them. But for honest today, some decisions are hard. Like, they cause stress. Maybe right now, I don't want to make light of it, but there's some decisions in your life that you are making that you're going, man, this is not an easy decision. 
I can't just throw up a pros and cons list, list and make a decision that's, that's the right decision for me, whether that's with your job. There's some things going on right now in your workplace. You're saying, man, I need to make a decision to leave this place, go look for another place of employment. And some of you right now, when it comes to your job, are making decisions that are hard. Some of you are walking through some decisions right now with your kids and your family. You, you want to make sure you make the right decision. Maybe some of my single people that are in the room, you're trying to make a right decision on who to date. You're not trying to hang out with no chump, right? I want to make a good decision. Right? Maybe finances, family, whatever is going on in your life, we all are faced with decisions that are easy and the decisions that are very, very hard. They can be stressful. They can cause anxiety. They can, they can be really concerning and, and be all-consuming in your mind. Here's one that I wrestle with, and you probably have too. God, what is your will for my life? There we go. Like in college, how much sleep did I lose? Just try, God, I don't want to mess this up. What is your will for my life? Many of us have asked that question of God. God, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm seeking what you have for my life. And it's not easy. It's a hard decision. And we can get stressed out about those things and anxious and fearful. I introduced that today because if you haven't been tracking with us, we're in a sermon series called The Stressless Life. How in the midst of this world where we're constantly being attacked from different areas of stress can we have God's peace that passes all understanding? And all series long, we've given a, a definition of stress that I just want to review again today. Stress, fearful concern experienced when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. Some of you right now have some decisions before you that have caused you some fearful concern because you don't want to mess this up. I've been there. You've been there. We've looked at budget. We've looked at relationships. We've looked at calendar. But today, we're looking at making wise decisions. How can we have peace in our decision-making process? To answer that question, we are going to look at the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. If you are new to Bible study, the book of Proverbs is an incredible book with 31 chapters. In fact, we've challenged Hope Church for years now that if you are looking for a first step into studying God's word, we encourage you to, to start in the book of Proverbs. And it's really easy. You look at the calendar and whatever day of the month it is, you read the corresponding chapter in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 days in Proverbs. So Today, you would, if you're looking for a first step in spending time in God's word, you, would, you would have read Proverbs chapter 20. And as you do that week in and week out, day in and day out, you begin to get wisdom from this incredible book in God's word. Wisdom all over the book of Proverbs. And, and even when we hear that word wisdom, I want to make sure we're all on the same page with what that means. See, some people in the room may think of wisdom like, like intellectual assent of thought, like, like philosophy. So maybe you think wisdom, you're thinking about a guy like Socrates. He spoke words and people did, the, the normal people didn't understand such high and lofty words. So wisdom must mean some kind of Socrates level stuff. Maybe some of us think that's wisdom, unattainable. Others of us think wisdom is intelligence, right? So somebody like Albert Einstein, who's extremely intelligent, he must have a lot of wisdom because wisdom equals intelligence. And somebody like Einstein has a lot of intelligence, maybe. Others of us think of wisdom in regards to old age. So you lived a long life. You got a, a long gray beard with long gray hair. I'm thinking like something like a, a Dumbledore or a Gandalf, whatever your preference is, right? That's wisdom, 
Or maybe some of you have somebody in your life, your grandfather, your mother, an uncle, somebody who would say, man, they're the wisest person I know. We all have different thoughts about wisdom. I, I want to, for the baseline of our time together this morning, I want to give us a biblical definition of wisdom that we've used here at Hope Church for years. Here's what wisdom is according to what we're going to look at today. The ability to see life from God's perspective. So it transcends all that other stuff we just talked about, intelligence and philosophy and, and old age. What if wisdom was the ability to see life from God's perspective? And the book of Proverbs is full of that kind of wisdom. I want you to leave today. The goal of today, I'm going to kind of over-Proverbs you. I want all of us to leave today thinking, man, I can get some wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Verses like Proverbs 2, 6, right in the beginning of the book. Here's what, all over Proverbs, we get verses like this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. As we go to make wise decisions, we are going to spend some time in the book of Proverbs today talking about what it looks like to make wise decisions. Warren Wearsby, great theologian that we quote here a lot at Hope, he says this about Proverbs. In Proverbs, the words wise and wisdom are used at least 125 times. Why? Because the aim of the book is to help us acquire and apply God's wisdom to the decisions and activities of daily life. So if we got some decisions to make, the book of Proverbs is a great place to be. Maybe you're thinking right now, but, but why does this really matter in the big scheme of things? If you're not already there, we always want to give you some reasons with a, a bunch of people in the room and a bunch tuning in online. Why should you be leaning in today? Why does this matter? I want to give you a couple reasons if you're not quite there yet. Here's a couple reasons I believe you should pay attention to what the Word of God has for you today. The first one, we all have decisions to make in our lives. Very Basic, but like today in your life, or maybe you're fine right now, but as soon as you get to the office tomorrow, a decision is going to be laid on your desk that you need some wisdom for. And so why we should lean into what the Word of God says today is that we all have decisions to make in our lives. But there's a second reason. I believe you should lean in today because we are not equipped in and of ourselves to make wise decisions. This is important. We are not equipped. And, and I can already feel some of you saying, listen, man, you don't know me. How do you know I'm not equipped? I want to try to share with you how I know you're not equipped. I'm not trying to throw shade on you. I'm not trying to be confrontational. I just want to give you a few universal principles. No matter who you are, every person on planet Earth is not equipped to make wise decisions in and of themselves for a few reasons. The first of which is that my perspective and your perspective is always limited. What does that mean? You and I can't see everything about the situation. We are not omniscient. We are not omnipresent. We are not God. So I have to understand in and of myself, I cannot make the wise decision because my perspective is always limited. I can't see everything. But secondly, my input is never enough, meaning I don't know everything. I can have my pros and cons list. I can think I have all the evidence of why I'm making a good decision. But the reality is, in and of myself, I don't know everything. And neither do you. My perspective is always limited. My input is never enough. And here's the last one, which really kind of hits hard. My flesh is continually deceitful. You and I wrestle with what is called the flesh. 
It is continually lying and deceiving you. Praise God, there will be a day, Hope Church, where it doesn't matter if you've been following with Jesus for 20 years or 20 minutes, you wrestle with the flesh this side of heaven. One day, we will stand before a very good God, free of the flesh and free of the struggle and free of the pain and completely whole in his presence. But right now, we are constantly wrestling with the flesh. Not only is my perspective limited and my input not enough, but my flesh, your flesh, is continuing to find ways to deceive you. So in and of ourselves, we are not capable of making wise decisions. So how can we have peace as we make decisions? We need that wisdom, and it doesn't come from us, so where does it come from? I'm so glad you asked, because that's where the rest of the sermon goes. Two ways we get wisdom. This is not all the ways you get wisdom, but two very important ways right out of the book of Proverbs that we're gonna learn that we get wisdom. Here's the first one. We get wisdom from God's word. We get wisdom from God's word. The Bible gives us wisdom. We already talked about just spending time in Proverbs, and that's what I wanna do for just a few moments, but you need to understand this principle that you cannot discern and I cannot discern the will of God apart from spending time in the word of God. Doesn't matter how many books you've read, doesn't matter how many degrees you have, doesn't matter how, what cars you drive or what's in your, in your garage or, or how many people follow you on Instagram or how many people look to you at work to have all the wisdom. Apart from God's word in our lives, we cannot discern God's will for our life. And that's very important to remember. It's humbling. So we read Proverbs. We, we get in the word of God. And I want to spend a few moments in Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 20. We're going to read a passage of scripture specifically all about God's word and how it affects our lives. Proverbs chapter six, verse 20, here's what the word of God says. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. These are talking about God's word. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproves of discipline are the way of life. As we look at getting wisdom from God's word, just wanna pull a couple principles out of here that we see very clearly how we get wisdom from God's word. Here's the first one. God's word shows us the way. It said there in verse 23, for the commandment, the word of God, is a lamp and the teaching a light. Again, let's take this, let's take this out of sermon land for a minute. Think about it. If you're in the middle of a dark room, how you see the way forward is to pull out your flashlight on your phone and give yourself some light, right? We know in darkness, the way I see forward is light. Spiritually speaking, what the word of God just said is if you're in the middle of a dark season where you're trying to discern God's will for your life, you don't have to look any further than the word of God, which is a light to you in that season. You and I should be using God's word. Not that we can chapter and verse every single situation. Don't hear me say that. But if we're not regularly spending time in God's word, we can't be over here saying, I'm not hearing from God and where I'm supposed to go. God's saying, have you looked into the light of my word where I can show you the way? Love verses like Psalm 119, verse 105. You've heard this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, I love the simplicity of that verse because it, it talks about your word being a lamp to my feet, meaning I don't want to take a step until I can see what you've illuminated in my life. My next step comes from you, Lord, but also 
a light to my path. It's not just what, what's right in front of me, but also what's ahead of me. See, some of us right now, we are in the season of, of trying to discern a good decision to make. And we're fearful and we're anxious and, and we, need to, we need to make sure, are we utilizing the very tool God gave us to say, my word is a lamp and a light to you. Use it. I'll show you the way. Again, you can't chapter and verse every situation. I'm not saying that. We got more to talk about. But we cannot discern God's will for our life apart from God's word in our lives. Maybe you're in a dark season of trying to make decisions. Maybe today you are trying to figure out what the right way is. God's word will show you the way. But not only does God's word show us the way, God's word corrects us when we are going the wrong way. God's word shows us the way, but praise God, he also corrects us when we're going the wrong way. At the, end of that, at the end of that passage, we talked about his word being reproofs and discipline. These are words that, that mean to correct. That word reproof is a word that means to instruct on a better way. And that word discipline does not mean punishment, right? We hear the word discipline and we think punishment, but I want you to think more about coaching. It's somebody seeing something that's wrong and coaching a way forward and making it better. I've shared with you before, my wife and I have a, a garage gym in our house, and I'm teaching people who have never really worked out how to work out, and there's a way to coach them and discipline them and correct them in the right way. Why? So they don't hurt themselves. I'm not mean and, and rude and, 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 and making them suffer because I'm helping them see what is wrong and, and pointing them towards the right way. The Word of God shows us the way, but it also shows us when we're going the wrong way. I believe one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that he has taken God's word and used it as a weapon in people's lives to say, you don't meet God's standard, and so you're bad. The rules of God exist to make you realize how bad you are. The rules of God exist to make you suffer and, and realize that you, you don't want to live a life up to the standard of God's word. That's the exact opposite of what God's word exists to do in our lives. Look at Proverbs chapter 7. Keep my commandments and, what's that next word? Live. The lie of the enemy is keep my commandments and have a really lame, boring life. Right? Keep my commandments and, 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 and always be walking around with shame because you're trying to live up to God's standard. No, no, no. Keep my commandments, he says, and live. Why? Because they'll show us the way, but they'll also help us when we're going the wrong way. There are rules in God's, word, in, in God's word. There are commandments. Some people want to water it down. And let's not talk about the rules or commandments. No, no, no. Those exist to help us live and thrive in the way God made his, his, his creation to live. Take, for example, my house. My wife and I have four kids, three in elementary school, one in junior high. And let me just tell you, we have some rules in our house. <laughs> show me a house like ours that doesn't have rules. I'll show you a circus that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> Right? Nobody would look at my family and we have some rules. We're going to go to bed at this time. We're not going to eat this kind of stuff constantly. We're, going to, we're not going to go outside and we're not going to cross the street or we're not going to play in the yard. Like There's some rules in our house. Why? So I can make my kids suffer and have a lame, boring life? No. My wife and I create rules as boundaries. It's to say, here's some things that will help you live the best way in the Worthington home. In God's word, he gives us some rules. Why? Not to make our, our lives lame and boring, but to show us the right way to live. So it shows us the way, but it also shows us when we're going 
the wrong way. And notice the writer's attitude towards God's word as we finish this passage. He says, bind them, verse 21, on your heart always. This is a, a beautiful picture of like so having the word of God in your life that it's tied up and bound up in you. Think about your own life. Would your life be characterized by God's word being so tied up, so close, so bound in your heart that it just oozes out of who you are? That's the picture that the writer of Proverbs is trying to communicate. As we look to make wise decisions, are we spending time getting wisdom from God's word? You cannot discern the will of God apart from the word of God. As we close this section up, Charles Spurgeon had a great quote when it comes to the word of God. He said this, if you wish to know God, you must know his word. If you wish to perceive his power, you must see how he works by his word. If you wish to know his purpose before it comes to pass, his will, his desire for you, you discover it by his word. One of the ways we get wisdom is we get wisdom from God's word. But there's another way that the book of Proverbs continually shows us. So I want to I read some verses here before we share what that is. I want to read a bunch of verses here from Proverbs, and I want you to see if you can pick up what Proverbs is putting down when it comes to this other area of getting wisdom. Here's a few verses. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to, what's that word? Advice. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Did you see the theme? Not only do we get wisdom from God's word, secondly today, we get wisdom from God's people. We get wisdom from God's people. This is speaking of the idea of seeking counsel, getting input from other people. Again, left to ourselves, we can and will make wrong decisions. I've felt that. You've felt that. You're on an island. You're trying to make a right decision. You go for it. You jump off the ledge, and you make the wrong decision because you ask nobody into the process. Man, I'm going to go ahead and out us, okay? We are bad at this. <laughs> Some of the ladies, yep, yeah. Your husband's right next to you, okay? We are back. Like, you ever been there? Like, you know where you're going, Ben? Yeah, I know where I'm going. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> right? We are bad at saying, I got this. I don't need anybody. This is kind of a, a cultural thing with us men. Like, sometimes we are, are so, call it what it is, we're prideful, whatever. Like, I don't want to invite people into the process because I'm my own man, and I can do it. There's nothing in my life that's shown me this more than uh, doing projects around the house. Just shout out real quick. I'm looking at a lot of older gentlemen in the room. Shout out to you older gen gentlemen who actually took care of your homes before YouTube tutorial tutorials existed. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't know to do anything except go to YouTube and say, how do you do this? And then praise God, I'm getting outside myself and seeking some counsel. But I've talked to several of you and you just like figured it out. If I tried to figure it out, I'd cost my family hundreds of dollars and 15 trips to Home Depot. So praise God. YouTube exists. And I know that's kind of a silly example, but what is that? That's me saying, I can't do this by myself. I need to get outside of myself, aka YouTube, and find out how to do this thing. It's this idea of seeking counsel, getting wisdom outside of ourselves. As we continue today, I want to give us a few reasons 
a few realities why this is really important. But we have to start first with talking about our relationships. Here's the first reality in this idea of seeking counsel is that you and I are being influenced by others. I underline some words here as we track through this. You and I are being influenced. This is not an option. This is passive. You, are, you can't decide not to be influenced by other people. You and I are being influenced by other people. And Proverbs 13 specifically has something to say about this. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. When we think about this idea of seeking input from others, getting wisdom from others. First, we have to start with just asking the question, who are you being influenced by? And parents, it's really easy. You can look at this verse and you can think, oh yeah, I've seen that in my kid's life. Like when I, when they were hanging out with that group of people, they started talking like them and acting like them and dressing like them. And we like to think the book of Proverbs chapter 13 was written for teenagers. It was written to teenagers, but also to us, mom and dad, you have to evaluate your own life, your own relationships. Who in your life is influencing you right now? The people you're spending time with at the water cooler at work, the people you're on a softball team with, the people you go golfing with, the people that you meet up with, ladies, and have coffee together, whatever it may be, they're influencing you. You've invited people, and in. I like to think of it where the people that are pinned up at the top of my iMessage on my iPhone, all those pinned faces, I can confidently say all of those people are influencing me in some way, shape, or form. And Proverbs would say, by hanging out with them, you're, even, you're either becoming more wise or you are suffering harm because they're fools. Evaluating who we are allowing in to influence us. Are they wise or are they fools? You say, what is a fool? Well, Proverbs tells us that as well in Proverbs 28. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Now we're starting to get somewhere. Are you hanging out with some people that, that trust in their own mind, aka they're not leaning on the sufficiency of who God is, but they are trusting in their own mind? This is a, an area I'm very passionate about, specifically because I see my generation just being completely, they're being completely deceived on this reality. And so as long as God gives me the privilege of being up here with a, a mic on my face, I'm going to talk about it. Because we as a, a generation, specifically millennials and Gen Z, we're, we're hearing this kind of stuff all the time. Trust in your own mind. How does it look? It looks pretty on Instagram. There's a million likes, celebrities are saying it. It's, it's ideas like this. Follow your heart. You ever heard that? It's trusting in your own mind. You, you just do you. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. You just do you. And here's my favorite because it sounds so good. Just live your truth. What is this? This is us trusting in my own mind. I don't have a truth that's worth living. I will constantly lie to myself more than anybody lies to me. And that's true of you too. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. I don't want to follow my heart because it's going to lead me to a very bad place. I don't care how great the graphics are on Instagram. It's not wise advice. It's deadly advice. So many people are just eating it up. Do you live your truth, follow your heart. The Bible would say, if you do that, you're a fool. It's a hard word. 
So as we think about being influenced by people, who are you being influenced by? And again, hear me clearly. I'm not saying we can't have people and we shouldn't have people in our lives that don't know Jesus. Of course we should. We should constantly be on the lookout in our relationships. But, but I'll share with you just before we move on what I used to share with our students when I was a student pastor here. If you are in relationships with people that don't know God, if you are being influenced more than you're influencing them, it's time to bail out of that relationship. A lot of times we're in relationships and we're saying, I'm just trying to reach them for Jesus, but they're really reaching you for something else. And God would not have you stay in that relationship to suffer harm. So we have to ask the question, who's influencing us? That's why we are constantly beckoning you to get involved in small groups and get some people in your life to disciple you. Why? Because we want you to be known so that you can be influenced for the sake of wisdom and God working in your life. Because here's the reality, there's a lot of people in this room. And it's really, really easy to hide in here, right? You come and praise God you're here and experience this, but you can kind of be living out like a fool with a bunch of people that don't know God and coming here for an hour and a half and still be making unwise choices. Why? Because you don't have anyone really influencing your life who knows Jesus and who can point you towards wisdom. You are, you are being influenced by others. And here's, here's another reality in this idea of seeking counsel. You might be seeking input from others. That's intentional. You for sure are being influenced, Hope Church, but you might intentionally be seeking input from others. This is the idea of not making decisions on an island. Whatever decision is before you, don't do it by yourself. How many times, help Jesus, have I made a decision by myself that I wish, man, in hindsight, I wish I would have invited people into that process. So why do we do it? I think for me, Maybe for you, there's several reasons why we do it. Living in my own flesh that's deceiving me and, and doing me and living my truth. I, I, here's a few reasons why I don't seek input. One is I don't think I need it. It's an attitude of arrogance. I, I don't need that. Proverbs 16 would speak to that. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That word haughty is a word that means superiority. Like I just think I'm above getting input from other people. Have you ever been there? I've been there. It's one reason I don't seek input is I, I don't think I need it. Another one is, is I just don't want it. <laughs> just being real honest, I, I want to make this decision on my own. I, I don't want the input. This is an attitude of, of rebellion. Proverbs 18 would speak to that. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I'm isolating myself, seeking my own judgment instead of inviting other people. So I don't think I need it. I don't want it. And the last one is I, I just don't make time. If I'm honest, it's not important enough for me to make time for it, and so I, I'm impatient. Proverbs 19, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. Today, if you are stressed out about a decision, this week, if you're faced with a decision that causes you fearful concern and you want to make the best decision, are you seeking input? Are you asking the Lord who around me can help me make a better decision? See, a lot of times we, we look at this idea of getting people in our lives and maybe meeting with somebody one-on-one -on -one or, or getting a mentor. We, we look at this as next-level Christianity. I'm here to tell you from the book of Proverbs, Hope Church, that's not next-level Christianity. That's wisdom. Getting somebody in your life that truly knows you, that can truly walk with you, do you have that? And if not, you might be flirting with making unwise decisions. 
So you are getting input from others, influenced by others. You might be seeking input from others. And here's the last one. You should be listening and learning from others. It's one thing to seek input. It's another thing to actually put it into your life and practice and actually listen and learn from what they're saying. I I can sit with people all day and hear their feedback and leave and say, nah, I'm not doing that. So this is a, this is a, a, a spirit of, of teachability. Are you teachable? Are you not only seeking the counsel, but you're actually listening and learning from what they have to say? And to unpack that, I want to I look at three very clear statements from the book of Proverbs that I'm just kind of warning you are really in your face. But it, it helps us to see if we're not listening and learning from the people God has given us to seek input from, we're in a very dangerous and unwise place. So I'm going to Put some verses on the screen. I want you to read the, uh, the yellow part out loud with me. Loud and proud. We got this. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof, what? Leads others astray, okay? So this idea of, of being, being on this path, we, we don't want to lead others astray. We want, to, we want to hear the instruction, want to hear what people say, and we want to follow. Here's the second verse, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. We looked at it earlier. We're going to read the yellow out loud, loud and proud. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. This idea of listens. It's to hear what something somebody says and actually put it into practice. Last one, and this one's really in your face, Proverbs 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is? Book of Proverbs called you that, not me. This idea of discipline, it's the same word as instruction, right? You're being, you're being instructed, reproved. You're, 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 if you're not listening to that, the Bible says, listen, I want us to see. I put all the verses on the screen on purpose. I highlighted a few because if you and I are trying to make decisions, this is really important. These are using my, my 10th grade English context clues, okay? If you and I are trying to make wise decisions, we're seeking input from others, and we're not listening and learning from that input, the book of Proverbs just said, I'm a stupid fool who leads others astray. I didn't make that up. That's power. Like, how many times has Scott Worthington just honestly been a stupid fool who's leading others astray because either I'm too arrogant or too rebellious or, or too lazy to not invite people into my process? Now, at this point in the message, it's very important that we pause and do some gospel groundwork because I think it's very possible for us in this room who are Jesus followers to maybe be struck by some things we've read today. Maybe be feeling some type of way, man, that got me. Well, that's true of my life. Or man, I'm I'm letting the wrong people influence me. Like fill in the blank. God is kind of working on you. And if we're not careful, the enemy will take what God is starting to do good in you and twist it and turn it to make you feel like a lousy Christian who's not worthy of his grace. Right now. If you're a Christian here, you may be beating yourself up. I gotta do better. I gotta do better. You don't gotta do better. You have to remind yourself of the gospel of grace which saved you is the same gospel of grace which sustains you. You and I rest today. We rest in the fact that you and I didn't get anything to be saved and we can't do anything to be unsaved. So what do we do? I think we rest in the truth that Jesus Christ died in our place for our sins. We sang about it. We prayed about it. Praise God. We're here to celebrate the gospel. We rest in the gospel. 
And then we respond to what he's doing in our lives out of the gospel. The gospel is this seedbed. We don't dismiss the gospel. We say, okay, God, I, I know I'm a loved, accepted child of God. There's nothing I can do to unearn that. But man, I got some things in my life that don't belong. Help me, Lord, to rest in the gospel and then respond to what you're doing in my life. How do you do that? You, you repent. You say, God, I messed this up. And by your grace, I resolve to do better. Not out of my own strength. Not I'm going to go make decisions better because I am Scott. Hear me roar. No, no, I'm saying, listen, I want to make decisions not based out of my own strength. I want to resolve to say, God, help me by your power and by your grace. Do what your word says. You see the difference? I'm not working for my salvation or to please God. I'm working because he's already pleased with me. So maybe today you hear this and there's some things for real. Like you're going, man, I, I, I don't know when the last time I opened up the light of God's word. I'm out here in the dark. God, not to try to make you happy with me, but because you already are, lead me to a resolve of getting in your word more. Maybe you're, you're thinking about your friends. You're, man, I, mean, I got some bad influences in my life. I need to make a change. Do that out of the overflow of him leading you by his grace because you're loved, not because you're trying to earn it. So maybe you need to resolve to, to get some relationships right in your life where, man, I need, to, I need to maybe pause that relationship or not be on that softball team or whatever it might be. Maybe God is leading you to do that. And we remember that in the context of being loved, accepted children of God in the gospel. Or maybe you would say, I, I'm not getting any input from other people. I literally have nobody speaking wisdom into my life. Maybe today, God's call on your life, your response by his grace is to start asking some questions and start inviting some people to coffee and say, hey, I, I need a little bit more influence in my life of godly people who really know me. And then the last question, if you're a believer here, maybe you have people that are speaking into your life, but you're just not listening. If you're honest, you're not being teachable. You think you know better, like I've thought I knew better. And maybe today the word of God is bearing weight on you to say, hey, are you being teachable and the people that I'm bringing to you to teach you and to give you wisdom? For others of you today, you're here, you got invited, and you are not a believer in Jesus. You're just here checking things out. Praise God. We're here talking about making decisions. It's very important for you to understand. Before you talk about making decisions in a godly way, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And here's the best part. He's done everything needed possible for salvation. He's done it all. Again, we sang about it. We talked about it. But you and I were separated from God because of our sin. And only by his grace did he come into this world fully man, fully God, die on a cross for your sin, my sin. What does that mean? He stood in our place and took on our shame and our sin and our guilt. But three days later, he rose again. That's what we celebrate on Easter coming up. It's the, the stamp of approval, like EJ said, that, that, that his penalty, the penalty was paid for in full. There's no more earning. He's paid it all. And his victory over the sin, hell, and the grave declared that, showed that. So now the call for you and I is to begin a relationship with him. So for you, maybe today, in just a moment, we respond and pastors are up here. You need to come and your decision today, based on the word of God and what he's done for you, is to begin a relationship with Jesus. 
It happened for me right before my senior year of high school. I went to a summer camp, and I heard the gospel like this, and I decided to follow Jesus. What does that mean? I, I surrendered the control of my life to a good, good father who loves me and gave himself for me. What a beautiful love he has for us. So maybe for you, in just a moment, our pastors are going to be here. They can come now. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody more about this relationship with Jesus. You need to begin today a friendship relationship with God. He says he gives eternal life, life forever in his name. For others of you who are Christians, maybe today, you just need to pray with somebody every week. I love this place. I love this space that we create where we can just say, God, you're moving in a whole bunch. There's a bunch of people in here, and you're moving and working. Would we just respond in obedience with, with, with whatever he's doing in our lives? So maybe you need prayer. Maybe you just need to spend some time at the altar. Some of you are like, man, what's the altar about? The altar is not magical up here, but the altar is a place where you can posture yourself under a holy God and say, God, I'm here, and I'm crying out to you. So whether it's prayer, the altar, responding to the gospel and salvation, whatever God might be doing in and through this room right now, I pray you'd respond. So Lord, do what you want. That's our simple prayer, Lord. Do what you want. You are good to us. Thank you for your love. We're about to sing it. It is just a crazy love of God. In love right now, Lord, would you move and work and have your way. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's respond however God is leading us to respond.